Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 21st of April, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 12 and brings us a message entitled, They Remembered His Word. Amen. I turn please to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. In returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. That was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman whom, with whom, that with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Father, we thank you for our Bibles. We thank you for this divine record. Teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have. And make us what you want us to be. For Jesus' sake. Amen. It was very early in the morning when a few women left their homes and sorrowfully walked toward the tomb of Jesus. Their master had been crucified, and when his body had been led to rest, their expectations were buried with him. They had been so sure that God sent him, so certain that it was only a matter of time before God would rend the heavens to come to his assistance. It seemed that they had prayed in vain. It seemed that they had wasted their time. Everything had been disastrous for their cause and their Christ. Things hadn't worked out the way they had hoped they would. And yet they loved his memory. And because love never dies, they planned to embalm his body. And the story of the events which took place on that memorable day has been preserved for us in this account given to us by Dr. Luke himself. The sequence of their thrilling experience is set forth in order. Verse 1, they came. Verse 2, they found. Verse 3, they entered. Verse 4, they were much perplexed. Verse 5, they were afraid. Verse 8, they remembered. Verse 9, they returned. And verse 9, they testified. The account that Luke brings us 
this morning regarding these events seems to revolve around those words that I read from Luke 24 and verse 8. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. Here were a little company of our Lord's followers in great turmoil because they forgot to remember. They forgot to remember. And I want us just to think about that this morning within the context of Luke 24. I want to suggest three things. First of all, that they remembered their problem, but they forgot his promise. They remembered their problem, but they forgot his promise. We see that in verse 5 and 6. In their fright, the woman bowed down with her faces to the ground. But the man said to them, Why do you look? Why do you seek for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. What was the angel saying? Surely what the angel was saying was very simple and very significant. What he told you was true. What he told you was true. Often during the eventful years of our Lord's ministry, he emphasized the fact that he was going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. We focused on that on Friday evening as we gathered to think again of Calvary and all that the Savior accomplished in his dying hour. And of that occasion in Matthew 16 when the Lord began to speak about the cross and how he would have to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed. And then he says this, and on the third day be raised to life. And often when he announced his impending death, at the same time he predicted that he would rise again. Unfortunately, his followers had poor memories. And you and I can easily fall into that category. What did they see when they saw evil men? They had seen the cross. They had seen the nails. They heard the blasphemous sneers and knew the frustration of disappointment in their hearts. They saw those cruel thorns. They saw that sword in his riven side. Things had gone wrong. Things had not worked out the way they thought they were going to work out. Their prayers had not been answered. Their future was bleak and uninviting. They had no idea why God permitted all these awful things to happen. Maybe he knew what he was going to do, but nobody else seemed to know. And after his death, the master's body had to be attended to in the appropriate manner. And so with extreme care, these women attended to these details. They also had to keep in mind the restrictions imposed upon them by the laws of Moses. Everything was ready. They had remembered all these details except the most important detail, that he had promised that he would rise again on the third day. And their fears and their preparations in coming to the tomb would all be in vain. And throughout their time of sorrow, the sun had been 
shining, but forgetfulness had placed the shutters over uh, their windows and they could see nothing but gloom and doom. They remembered their problem, but they forgot his promise. Hands up. This is a rhetorical question. Don't put your hands up really. But in your heart, hands up those who at times are guilty of this. You're looking at one. Are we not guilty of that when the winds of adversity blow? When the waves and billows roar? When everything seems to be against us, there is someone who says, where is your God? I thought you said that God would take care of you. I thought you said God was your loving heavenly Father. Where is he now? What has he to say to you? Well, listen to the word of the Lord this morning. Listen to what Moses says. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And again and again we turn the pages of Holy Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and we see the unfolding and the unfailing promises of our God as your days, Deuteronomy 33, 25 and 7. As your days, so shall your strength be also. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath and round about are your everlasting arms. Our days differ one from the other. Days of adversity as well as days of prosperity. Days of pain as well as days of sorrow. There are times we live our Christian life not only on the mountaintop but in the valley. But in the darkest valley we need fear no ill. For Christ our Savior will be with us still. Isaiah says, do not fear for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. How precious these words are to me. It was in November 1983. I had brought my dad, Granny Morrison, down to Kilkeel for just a week break. He was fond of ice cream. He liked the odd fish supper. And I said to him, I have a wee call to do in Uri Hospital. Will you come with me? We'll maybe call and do a wee call at Warren Point. You know what I'm talking about now, if you know ice cream and you know fish suppers. And I was sitting in the study, it was coming just after half past twelve. And I heard the voice, Clifford, quick, 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 it's your daddy. And I rushed down the stairs, and he was breathing his last sigh. And I grabbed him, and I said, no, Lord, no, Lord. And a voice from heaven said, fear not. For I have redeemed him. I have called him by name. He is mine. There and then I released him into the presence of his heavenly Lord, who had done more for him than I could ever have done for him. And Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. You remember when God spoke to Moses? It's recorded in the early chapters of Exodus. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring 
my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites? And Moses speaks to God and he has a conversation with God. And he says, Suppose I go. I'm not saying I will go. But suppose I go and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God speaks to Moses and says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses speaks again to God. He says, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech. And the Lord said to Moses, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say? And then Moses gets to this stage. Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. And if you read that story, for every excuse Moses offered, God gave him a promise. And promises in God are yea and amen in the Lord Jesus. I remember as a young pastor going into a house in Valley Clare and there's this saint of God and she had a little box and a little pair of tweezers at the side of the box. And I said, I'm curious, what's in the box? She says, there's 365 bits of paper in that box. I said, part? She says, there's a promise for every day. And every morning she took a tweezer and left her a promise for that day. But you know, promises are not to be contained in a box. Promises are to be retained in one's heart and mind to mold us and move us and make us responsive and receptive to the Word of God. And on this resurrection morning, as they came to the tomb, they remembered their problem, but they forgot His promise. That He who died on the third day would be raised from the dead. They remembered his words, but they lacked his wisdom. Suddenly, as the angels revived their memories, these delightful women recalled what the Lord said. Yes, it was true that way back in Galilee, Jesus had spoken about tragedy in death, but also about triumph in resurrection. He had spoken about these things. He had made these promises. But even now, these promises seemed to be so far-fetched. Was it really true? Did it really happen the way he said it would happen? And Mark tells us in chapter 16, that trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And we don't know and we can't tell how long unbelief was permitted to fill their hearts. Ultimately, it was removed. But at this moment of time, it was so real. They remembered the Master's words, but they failed to believe them. They could have believed many other things, but not this. It seemed that God had forgotten them. It seemed that God had failed them in their hour of greatest sorrow. Was He really in control? Could He make anything out of the confusion and chaos that they were in? Could God make all things, even these things, work together for their good? It sounded wonderful, but was it not all in the realm of wishful thinking, too good to be true? They didn't want to be filled with false expectancy. They were foolish. 
But I think we should be slow to point the finger this morning and raise the critical voice for have we not at times made the same mistake? The times we have the audacity to think that our way is the best way. That our time is the right time. That our understanding is the correct understanding. And that God should endorse everything that we decide to do. And sometimes when things don't happen the way we think they should happen, our hopes are buried. And the verdict of our hearts is simply this. God's failed. Where is God when you need him the most? Wasn't that the experience of the two that walked the road to Emmaus? In Luke 24, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and drew near, walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you disciples discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still and their faces were downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And then they said this, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition to all this, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. And then the Lord Jesus speaks to them. And he says, How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. They remembered their problem, but they forgot his promise. They remembered his words, but they lacked his wisdom. And they remembered their task, and they proclaimed his triumph. Notice what we read in verse 9, when they come back from the tomb, they told these disciples to the eleven and to the others. Prior to our season of prayer this morning, we looked at those words in Matthew 28, where the angel said, come and see. And then he said, go and tell. Come and see. Come and see. These verses highlight the rule that God was pleased to give to women in the accomplishing and affirming of his redemptive plan. These women were the first to proclaim the truth that they had witnessed the risen Lord. The first person aware of the coming of Christ was the woman to whom the promise was given. The first one with whom she shared her secret was her cousin Mary, or her cousin Elizabeth, sorry. And throughout the gospel story, there's 
No place where any woman either said or did anything evil in regard to Jesus. They loved him. They served him. They listened to him. They followed him. But they never criticized him, opposed him, nor did anything afterward to be regretted. And if the men had emulated the example set by the woman, they would have been infinitely wiser than they were. And recovering from their initial dread, Matthew 28 and 8 tells us that the woman hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. They had news to announce. And as the testimony echoed through the room, they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. But these women were gloriously insistent. They seemed to have grasped the secret of the slogan. If you don't succeed at first, try, try again. Someone has said, when a woman believes, she should be heard. And if she's not heard, she will make sure that she's heard. Slowly the doubts began to disappear. And tragedy was followed by triumph, sadness by songs, despair by a glorious deliverance. Their master was alive. God really knew what he was doing. And if only they had remembered earlier, their burdens would have been lighter. Sometimes when we are confronted by Calvary, it's better to stand still than to say something we would later regret. Remember, remember. He is not here. He is risen. He told you why he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day, be raised. And then they remembered his words. Do you remember what the writer to the Hebrews said? Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do unto me? You see, it's because of what God said that we can say. Because God has said, I will never leave you. You heard the story of the young student who had just been doing his Greek studies. And of course he was visiting, full of this first church. Went into an old believer, an old Christian lady. And he was reading this little verse. And he says, you know dear, the Greek verb here really would suggest that we should say this at least ten times to get the emphasis. And the old lady looked over her glasses and she says, son, what did I tell you? If the Lord has said it once, that's enough for me. If the Lord has said it once, that's enough for me. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard? Is anything too difficult for me? Can we trust God this morning? Is he worthy of our confidence? Do we really believe that there is nothing too hard for him? You see, if God were stinted in might and limited in his strength, we would have every reason to despair. 
But our God is omnipotent. Our God is clothed with omnipotence. There's no prayer too hard for him to answer. He may not answer it in the way you want him to answer, but he will answer it. He may not answer it at the time you want him to answer, but he will come in his perfect time. There's no need too great for him to supply Jehovah Jireh is his name. There's no passion too strong for him to subdue. There's no temptation too powerful for him to deliver you from. There's no misery too deep for him to relieve you from. Then they remembered his words. They remembered their problems, but they forgot his promise. They remembered his words, but they lacked his wisdom. They remembered their task, and they proclaimed his triumph. He is not here, but he is risen. Oh, this morning, as we see again our risen Savior, as we listen to his authoritative declaration, let's not remember what we should forget, and let's not forget what we should remember. They remembered his words. We thank God for his word this morning. And may he write it on all our hearts for his name's sake. We're going to come.